With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Some interesting news that we just okay. mentioned last podcast, yes. and that is our TV seasons are coming to YouTube. The older ones, yeah, why not? The older we've been, ones. We've been working for this. We're excited about it. Yeah. yeah, so we are setting up a premiere for this, and so dropping tomorrow, actually, you're hearing this on a Friday, dropping tomorrow mm-hmm. is, well, what is the episode? It is season... It's, it's season two, two, episode three. That's what I thought, okay. Which is Lukewarm Hatches. So it's the Mazda 3. It's actually the old version of the Mazda 3, the, the just one... the version we just finished that generation mm, so right. not the refresh that's right. that's right so it's that one the hyundai elantra and which is actually the sport if memory serves and also the honda civic driven in downtown la at dawn it's a pretty cool episode if you haven't seen it well we're both excited because more of our effort goes into our tv shoots you Completely. probably have yeah, gathered yeah. that for even sure. though we for do sure. a yeah. few fun stuff like that gt2 and 959 mm-hmm. We do some fun stuff for YouTube, but this is more of our production effort, and it's television quality stuff coming to mm-hmm. YouTube. Yeah, it's cool. So it is actually 21 minutes and 15 seconds, so call it a half-hour piece. <laughs> it's a TV half-hour, yes. <laughs> but it's a TV half-hour piece, mm-hmm. and we're just excited to start sharing this stuff yeah. with you, and we're going to start trickling them out. It's going to set up as an actual premiere on YouTube. That's kind of a first for us as well, but that will be uh, noon Eastern that means 9 a.m. Pacific on Saturday morning, and we're going to do – because we need to catch up a little bit on this new idea, yeah, we're yeah. going to have the next – I think it's three three Saturdays in a row will be stuff to catch you up to get all of season two out there. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it'll be a new one – well, a new old one, if you will, about once a month. Yeah. So if yeah. you're a person that has been hanging on or only watches YouTube or whatever, you'll still get to see this TV content. We're excited about that. And that doesn't change the fact – that we have five free seasons on Amazon Prime, and season six is finally there with a yes. full buy season option, and we're currently shooting season seven. Well, you bring it up because we've realized over time that the YouTube viewing audience is not necessarily the same as the Amazon Prime viewing audience. Mm-hmm. Some people don't use YouTube, and some people don't go to Amazon Prime, and it's so this is our yeah. effort to show that crossover more and mm-hmm. gain a wider audience. So if you haven't seen those pieces, whether or not you have, you can see them on YouTube now. Yeah. We're very excited, yeah. and let us know your feedback. We're For very Sure, very sure. curious, and that is kind of a cool episode. It's uh, L.A. at night. Well, yeah, it, it like was said at dawn. It was a very fun shoot. Super we cool. were actually. I remember when we were shooting that piece. We left our hotel at like three or four in the morning to head to downtown L.A. and got stuck in traffic. Yeah, we yeah. Were stopped on the it's freeway LA. due to construction yeah. and the fact that it's L.A. Just a quick note to thank our sponsors for TV Season 6, and that yep. is Covercraft, our presenting sponsor. Also, Griot's Garage Car Care mm-hmm. Products. Go to griots.com, and you can get 10% off your order. Use the code every day. Their stuff is killer. And uh, also, Haggerty. So go to Haggerty. There's lots. You've heard the ads. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you've heard the interview with McKeel as well. Yep, yep, yep. And there's more to come from Haggerty, so we're looking forward to interviewing more folks from Haggerty. Well, in the Haggerty Drive Club doesn't just get you their magazine and roadside service and this kind of stuff. You can also get free streaming of the Motor Trend app. Yeah, you get which, a Which, ironically, we are not on. Yeah. But that's a whole separate thing, but you could watch the other stuff. So there you go. We have two really cool car debates happening in this episode. We've got Chip writing to us from Atlanta, so how are you, man? We've also got Keith writing to us from Yuma, Arizona. They are very different car debates and a lot of really cool questions as well. All right, we've got to get to these debates because I'm, I'm really excited okay. for Chip to write to us about yeah. swapping his motorcycle and adventure car mm-hmm. for something commuter and fun. 
Yep. And I, I hit upon a recipe chip Did you? that I think you're going to, at first you're going to turn up your nose. You're going to think, what it, wait, actually that's kind of cool. I've got a few of those too. I'm very curious to see where this goes for sure. He says, guys, strap in. He's got some mental gymnastics that he's going to ask us. He's in his late 20s living in Atlanta with his two dogs and a serious girlfriend. His current two vehicles are an 03 Toyota RAV4, mm-hmm. picture that, Yep. and a 2014 Suzuki V-Strom 650. The RAV4 is the adventure and camping and road trip vehicle, mm-hmm. and of course the Suzuki is the work commuter and occasional fun driver. Yep. He says the RAV is getting up in miles, 210,000 plus miles, and his girlfriend hasn't told him he, that she hates the bike <laughs> and it needs to go... But she hasn't not said she hates it's, the bike. It's been inferred. Go. Chip, congratulations. You're learning the nonverbals of your relationship. It clearly <laughs> has been inferred that, you know what? The bike could go, and I wouldn't hate that. That's probably what's actually been said. It's but like anyway, using a yeah. double negative to express your opinion. In a, yeah, you know, that's, that's a little, underhanded yeah, a little round, roundabout for sure. Well, he likes having two vehicles with two drastically different jobs, mm-hmm. and he has convinced himself that he needs a rear-wheel drive, <laughs> two-plus-two fun car. Uh-huh. And also an electric commuter. Interesting. Atlanta traffic can get nasty. Yep. We know this. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He says something along the lines of a 128i BMW. He says it seems more reliable than the 135. Same great looks. And maybe like a Nissan Leaf or a BMW (laughs) i3 or something. Both would fit in his total budget of $19,000. Yeah, yeah. He says, I know there's better 2 plus 2s like the 86 and the Mustang, but he doesn't like the looks of either of those cars. Interesting. So they're off the table. Yep. Yep, yep. The two standbys, the, for, for the those, usual suspects. For those of you off hoping the table. for a podcast without a Toyota 86, <laughs> hang on. This may be your podcast. Yeah. He says, All right, do I sell the high miles camping car mm-hmm. and the motorcycle for the two plus two fun car and electric vehicle? What's a good pair for his garage? 19 grand all in for two cars I to do different it's, things. It's a different pairing. It is. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah. So, Chip, I started, you know, my usual. Search places. I started noodling on this and started searching some sites. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, okay, you know, there's C4 Corvettes for that kind of money and C5Z06s are $18,000, but yeah. doesn't leave you much room for a commuter. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea of electric. We don't know quite the mileage round trip per day true, true, true. that you travel. We don't yeah, know that information, yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. Atlanta traffic. So we'll say you need at least 50 to 70 miles every day, right? Probably. Is that yeah. fair? And that's, and that's probably gets it done for most commuting situations for sure. Yeah. I looked at Mini Cooper S's. Okay. I looked at 09 to 2011 Nissan 370Zs with the manual. Interesting. All right. I even found you a 99 Porsche Boxster with 44,000 miles for $11,900. That's something I think we should buy. No, I didn't say that. It's actually that. kind of compelling, isn't that it? It is interesting, yes. Of course, there's Honda S2000s. Mm-hmm. Lots of tasty choices. But what I landed on was this particular pairing. Okay. And again, you're going to say, what? All right. The brakes are going to screech. Yeah. You're going to turn up your nose. Yeah. And then it, the more that you think about it and just let it filter down in, I think you're going to love it. Okay. Here it is. A Fiat 500E. It's on my list too. Really? Yep. Keep going. I found you a 2017 500E with 16,000 miles for 8K. Mm-hmm. I found you 2013 with 36,000 miles for 6,500, which leaves you about $12,000 mm-hmm. to go get yourself a 2017 Fiat 124 Spider Lusso. <laughs> You've done the all Fiat garage. Exactly That's never right. happened. Exactly That's amazing. right. With 15,000 miles for $9,500 in Savannah, Tennessee. 
Wow. So get this. You'd have the 500E and you'd also have the Fiat 124 because I thought, uh-huh. well, sure, go get yourself a Miata. Any Miata for $12,000 sure. yeah, yeah. after you go purchase the $6,500 500E. Yes, yes, yes. Twelve grand. you have got that, you know, 12, 12, five, somewhere in there. But then I thought, why not get the 124? If you can get the Abarth, even better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that generation, well, the Abarth, it. it had four more horsepower, I think, than the Miata. Yeah, woo, you could get like but a black But it did have a hood. different engine. Yeah, yeah, than the Miata, yeah, yeah. But get that car because it's a different look. You don't see them everywhere. Mm-hmm. I actually do like the styling. It looks more 60s to my you, eye. You like it a little bit more, more than I do, yeah. I, I like it even though the yeah, headlights yeah, yeah. are just a bit oversized for the car itself. Yeah. But a little bit different, and you've got two Fiats <laughs> In your garage, unexpected. <laughs> oh, no. Again, you're, you're saying to yourself, I'd never own a Fiat. Think about it. These 500Es cost FCA money to build. Mm-hmm. They lost money on mm-hmm. every 500E that they built. And, well, a few years ago, I knew the visualization person at Tesla. Worked with him quite frequently when, you know, back when I was yeah. in the tech industry. And he owned an Aston Martin Vantage because he was a car freak. Love it. But he commuted to Tesla in a 500E. And I said, what? What are you doing? Why don't you own a Tesla? He's like, these are cheap. Yeah. I don't go that far. They're great. Yeah. And they're tiny. Mm-hmm. I can park them anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, okay, you work at Tesla. You, you drive a 500E and that's okay? He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's totally okay. Interesting. But then, of course, he autocrossed his Vantage and well, raced it and did all kinds of stuff. Fiat trying to get – Fiat Chrysler trying to get their – whatever fleet benefit they got out of having that on their books. Exactly. They were leasing those for a while for 90 bucks a month. Oh, my gosh. They have they dropped were, off a cliff. And, and, and you're right. Between six and eight grand, you have your choice. Like what color There's would lots. you like, sir? I was yeah. even thinking, could you abart a 500E? Could you do some do sort some of badges. like badging and put the wheels on? I mean, I know there's oh, low no. rolling resistance tires, but yeah. screw all that. That's like, funny. could you kind of turn into a Bart so people look at it like that's a cool? Wait, it's the 500 what is that? Bart. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you customize <laughs> it, you'd have the only electric Bart. Oh uh, no, I want to do it anyway. How yeah. cool is that for cheap? Mm-hmm. And then you've got the Fiat 124 Luso. Mm-hmm. Fifteen thousand miles is barely broken in. I see it. I do see it for ninety five hundred dollars. I yeah. saved you money. You did. It's good. wow. You you came I in under budget. Ninety five plus sixty five hundred. Yeah, you came in under budget. Under budget, my I, friend. I I'm a little I'm a little shocked. And all Fiat Garage. It's two completely different cars from the same manufacturer. Yeah, and you can go nuts. You can just be all Italian. Everything. That is funny. Wave the flag. Eat the pasta. I mean, just go nuts. <laughs> Embrace your inner Italian. Wow, I I am laughing at that. Uh, The only commentary I have on your idea, because I like it, and it aligns with something I did too, but I don't understand, Chip, why you're saying you have to have a 2 plus 2 fun car. Well, I mean, he currently doesn't. I know. And so I'm, it's a and total I'm, opposite for him, totally, right? But, but that's the thing. Why you didn't just say two-seater? Why you believe you need a 2 plus 2. And you took out the 86 and you took out the Mustang. And so you've said, I want a 2 plus 2. Which uh-huh. most of your choices were just two-seaters. Which I think are going to be fine for Chip. But true. Said true. I guess two, it's not a 2 plus 2, is it? Yeah. And I don't know why. Because you're, you, here's the other thing. You don't ever say what your girlfriend drives. This is true. We don't know that. Clearly she drives something. Okay. Now the RAV4 has been the camping vehicle. My guess is, are you needing the 2 plus 2 because you want to take dogs along? And are you, this is my secondary question, would you put dogs in your fun car at all? 2 plus 2 or not, would you even go there? 
So I, I don't I don't know that two plus two is necessary, but I tried to toe the line on that, and then I jumped the shark for the wild card. <laughs> I like your 128 in your leaf, but my question to you is, have you driven either one? Okay. The 128, depending upon how it's specced, can be Blandsville or surprisingly fun. Sure. So be careful how sure. you spec that guy. The Leaf is an appliance, and it's an ugly appliance, which is why they're now cheap. I've True. known multiple people that had Nissan Leaves. I guess I'll go there. <laughs> uh, they had them in, in Salt Lake. They drove them in the winter where they lost a good amount of their mileage in the super winter cold we had here. Having said that, they both loved them. They did exactly what they needed them to do, and they just ran. They are very utilitarian. They absolutely work. I don't think you have any problems with it, but my question is, is that something you like enough? I don't know. You need to drive the 128 and leave in the sea. Mm. So I wanted to go with other ideas for you. If a bunch of Nissan Leaf enthusiasts get together at a car show and they all park in the same place, is that a tree or a bush? What <laughs> do you that, call it? You call it fall. Ah, We've all okay. landed in that corner. Okay, I wasn't I sure. Know. All the leaves. Anyway, yeah. Um, okay, so here's my first of two ideas for you. Tried to go 2 plus 2 sports car. Again, I don't know why you need a 2 plus 2, but I tried to go the 2 plus 2 sports car and electric car. Okay. Pontiac GTO. Oh, I like that. And Chevy Volt. Also good. See, you're I going all, all GM. GM. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> but Chevy Volt. Look, Chevy Volt is not a pure electric car. True. But true. they're cheap, and they do everything you're asking it to do. They're getting cheaper, too. They're getting very cheap, and they are solid electric alternative cars. I think that's where it shines as a commuter. So while it's not full electric, don't overlook the Volt. By the way, when I list all of these, I see them as all interchangeable. Take the pairing and go with this half and that half. And I don't care. Sure, like a menu item or something. Just put them together in yeah. there. So Pontiac GTO. Big bruiser, 400 horsepower, six-speed, two-plus-two, fun car, and then the Chevy Volt. And then the other one, I was like, okay, so the electric commuter, this is where the 500E goes for me. The electric commuter is your workaday car. That means the other one can be a little bit crazier. So I went 944. Oh, interesting. Two-plus-two and the 500E. Well, that's interesting. Totally different experiences. Those are totally totally different. different eras of cars. What I like about that pairing is, Chip, the, the two vastly different experiences. Agreed. Actually, in all of these pairings. Yes, true. true whatever true. that is. Yeah, yeah. You pick an all-Fiat mm-hmm. garage. You pick an all-GM garage. Totally. You do some of both. You do you know, dabble around. Completely. Yes, yes, for sure. The two experiences, and I love it because you'll come out your door and you'll think, huh, how do I feel today? Mm-hmm. I, I could commute, mm-hmm. but maybe I could take the fun car to work today. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's just – it gives you that choice and that – you know, the very, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that I always need different food every day. I, I don't mm-hmm. like having the same kind of meal. Sure, sure, sure. I, I need variety, and that's what this does for your driving experience. So there's two options, but then I have a wild card. And here's why it's a wild card, because I walked away from the fun car needs to be 2 plus 2. Okay. But then I thought, wait a minute. You're asking for a, two, for a fun car that needs to be rear-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah. Electric cars typically aren't, unless you have a lot more money to get a Tesla. True. But... I've got your rear-wheel drive electric 2 plus 2 in the BMW i3. Yeah. yeah. Rear-wheel drive 2 plus 2. Both of those get handled in the electric car now. And then you buy whatever Miata you can afford and like. How much are i3s these days? 11, 12. So he's going to be buying a five or six grand Miata. Okay, okay, sure. So, But that's doable. Sure. And it'll yeah. be fun. So you lost usability in your MX-5. But you wound up with a rear-wheel drive electric car. That's, that's my wild card right there. 
Yeah, I kind of failed on the two plus two thing, but I just but I no, was in love but, with the all Fiat garage. No, but I like what you're thinking because I'm not sure. Chip hasn't specified why he thinks two plus two is the answer. I'm not sure it is, and we don't know what his girlfriend drives. If we knew that, that might explain a lot because maybe she's got an SUV for the dogs and for the camping and which would something like that. Then you really don't need or the two even plus two. something yeah, else. For sure. That's you know for road trips or whatever else. I like this. All right, Chip, you've got some driving to do, my friend. But I I do like this. So let us know what you end up getting. Send it to us for your car yeah, conclusions, yeah, yeah. and uh, we'll read about that. And uh, also, if you do have car conclusions, and we did decide, or even if we didn't, and you kind of gleaned some ideas from listening to yeah, us, please whatever. send us your car conclusions, completely. your topic Tuesdays, and of course, your car debates. When you're in a pickle, let us know. We'd, we'd love to debate that. Whenever Paul and I are searching for cars, we always start with Auto Tempest. To find the best car for any budget, it's important to cast as wide a net as possible. Check all the places they might be hiding. And you used to have to search all the different car sites separately, but with Auto Tempest, you can now get them all in one place. Auto Tempest lets you enter your car search info one time, and then you can see results from all the top used car sites at once, plus a bunch of smaller ones you probably wouldn't have thought to check. Auto Tempest can help you find your next car wherever it's hiding. Plus, with all these listings in one place with one search, it's a great comparison tool to shop around and find the best deal. So if you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or just looking to feed the disease because you want to look at cars again today, head over to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Keith writes to us from Yuma, Arizona, and uh, Keith has actually been one of our patrons for a long time. So it's good to hear from you, man. Thanks for writing in for a car debate. You've got all kinds of things you want to change. But the best thing about Keith's situation, did you notice this? Hmm. Keith and his wife have no trouble fitting in cars. <laughs> He's 5'9", his wife is 5'7". This means everything is on the table and you fit. Now, you do have a 3-year-old, a 2-month-old, so that means we got to worry about kids in this equation. But what I read, the thing that is glaring to me, Keith, when I read this is everything fits. <laughs> it's true. Clothes, shoes, cars, name the thing, everything fits. Love it. All right, so as Todd said, he's in, in Yuma, Arizona. He's a doc for his units, and he flies the F5 Tiger. Let's just spend the rest of the time on the F5 Tiger, because that is cool. Sure, yeah, you know, more fighter pilots. That, that's a good thing. I like this, yes. All right, so they have a nice rental house with a three-car garage. His current vehicle situation is his wife's 2016 Subaru Impreza hatchback, mm-hmm. his 04 BMW 330Ci ZHP. That's the closest that they got in that generation to making the E46 M3 as a four-door. Four-door, correct, yes. It's not quite, but they're rare and cool. Third car is the 06 Lexus GX470. Keith's two motorcycles, the large 04 BMW R1150GS Adventure and Svelte 2014 Yamaha XT250 Dual Sport. Did you notice both of these debates involved motorcycles? I noticed Did that. You notice I the also thread? seem like, I feel like of late, we've gotten a lot of people that write in where I have a Lexus GX470 or I'm buying one and I'm going to make it an off-roader. Or the GX isn't leaving. I yes. have the GX. Yes. It's not going away. Let's keep talking. When did, when did this like zeitgeist happen where we all bought... Uh, these Lexus and decided to put big wheels on. It's because the Land Cruisers were too expensive and everybody went, GX470. I guess. I don't know. All right. Well, right now, oh, they also have the Sylvan Sport Go camping trailer. All right. Well, that's, yeah, that gets pulled by the GX. Right, right, right. He says his wife more than tolerates his motorized disease. (laughs) It's good. Keep her. Yeah, that's good. Helpful. (laughs) For sure. So right now, he says he can fit everything except the GX in a three-car garage. Mm -hmm. They bought the GX as their family adventure mobile. And he's putting a lot of time and money into upgrading it and the trailer for more off-grid exploration and camping. Very cool. Since they've got access to so much outdoor stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah. 
His wife loves how he set up the GX so far, loves the camp trailer. That's becoming a thing, the camp trailers yeah. that are lifted and are built for off-road, and then they unfold into the camp with, base. With the articulating hitch. Totally. So I love all, these All things. the axles, because now you're dealing with three axles, the two on the car and the trailer. All three axles are doing something different as you go down yes. the, on the trail. Very cool. If yeah. you want a good example, Patriot Campers makes a good one. I, I saw it at SEMA, and I'm just... I'm transfixed, and the guys had to like yank on my arm, be like, "We're going, we're Paul, going over to the next Paul aisle." Literally stood underneath the fold-out bed area oh. for the longest time. We just stood there, going, "Look at the way this is designed. Look at that." Over I was there. just appreciating Have you seen engineering the drawer, design. and did you know? So and I was like, cool. "Okay, I am moving on." All the yeah. nooks and crannies is like a boat in a box. It, <laughs> a boat in a box. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I get it. I, I wish I didn't follow, but I follow. Yeah. All right, so future duty stations are unlikely to be places where the three-car garage is common. And so that got Keith thinking about consolidating the fun car with his wife's car. Okay. They're fairly packed in the garage, and it could be hard to get the bikes out, and he doesn't use them as much as he would like. So if he frees up one stall in the garage, the bikes can move there, and the GX will still live outside. Yes. So so to to review this, we're talking about a fairly recent Subaru Impreza hatch and this nice 04 ZHP BMW Mm. Merging somehow. <laughs> this is this is difficult. This is a little dangerous too. Remember when I told you that people love their GXs and they're not going anywhere? I've, I've heard this story. Yeah, same thing. It's not going anywhere. He still wants a fun car. Yep. So it has to be automatic or DCTs. His wife doesn't do manual. Okay. And she doesn't want anything bigger than what she currently has in the Impreza. Okay. Now the wife supports the habit, but she considers them appliances for her use. She'll drive the GX when necessary. <laughs> But does not want okay. anything bigger than what she has now. I find that really interesting. He's gotten yeah. into measurements here. Yeah. yeah. Her history is an O2 Civic Coupe and a 240SX before that. Okay. She, well, I mean, she could have been a you know drift car. Missed opportunity there. But the point here is she's Same. never really owned a big car. Clearly, the GX is the exception because it's big and, and sounds like getting larger mm-hmm. as it gets changed. But def, definitely, she wants a smaller car. And, and he actually gives us measurements here. <laughs> that the Subaru hatchback is 174 inches long. And so he's trying to find something similar length that can be fun for him <laughs> and not too big or too inaccessible for her. So it means it's got to be automatic and it can't be too large. His concern is that he looked at sedans because they don't need another hatchback. They have the, the right. The GX right. if they need it. Even though I think it's interesting, the Impreza, of course, is a hatchback. So they've had two hatchbacks in their life between the GX and the Impreza, but doesn't need that to be the case here. So he looked at midsize sedans, current ones, which is the 3 Series, 4 Series, the Alpha Julia, the, G, uh, the G70 from Genesis, the Lexus IS, and he says they're all too big. Mm-hmm. They're all mm-hmm. over 180 inches long. So he's told us it needs to be 180 inches or smaller because he's concerned. And, and sometimes we've had people write in and say, it can't be longer than this because it doesn't fit in my garage. We've had that before. Yeah, You've got your right. garage so packed with all the storage that you need only exact amount of car length. Otherwise, it doesn't work. That's not the case here, interestingly. And Keith, I'm going to challenge you on this a bit. <laughs> because you've taken this measurement and gone, she doesn't want a bigger car than this. These are the measurements. I see how you got there. I'm not sure that works. You mean because it doesn't translate into the driving experience necessarily? Exactly. Okay. Just because the measurements are the same or bigger doesn't necessarily mean how the driver is going to feel about the size of the car. If you had said, this is all that fits in my garage, different conversation. But what what it feels like to the driver isn't necessarily the dimensions. All right. Yeah, true. True. I'll I'll see you there. Now, he says... uh, 
that his wife doesn't like any of the traditional hot hatches either. Mm-hmm. Doesn't like the GTI. Doesn't think the seats are comfortable. Doesn't matter how much plaid you coat them in. Not comfortable. <laughs> the Velostran only has three doors. Civic Type R is a manual only, two boy racer for her. Mm-hmm. Ford Focus RS has too much of a harsh ride reputation, although he well, hasn't driven one. And it's also a manual, yeah. It's also a manual. No WRX, no STI. Mazda doesn't have the Speed 3 anymore. They, you know, not into that. Wiped out most of the board yeah. for the hot hatches. They're pretty much all off the table, which is too bad. But he does say they're going upmarket. Mm-hmm. They want a more upmarket feel. Yeah. So that's why he suggests that Mercedes GLA 45 AMG. He, he did the measurements and said, I think I found it. It's the GLA 45 AMG that we really like. And he said, actually, that's about the same size as the Impreza. And so he just says, is this my car? We've always talked about that car as being the gentleman's hot hatch or yes. the next step. Yes. You're graduating from hot hatch to the mm-hmm. the next one because yeah. you like the form factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is the next step. I'm wondering about the ride quality on that, if that might still be a little bit too harshly tuned for I, her. I think it may work. Do I you? Think, I think it probably I guess works a test out. drive Honestly, will, will that'll reveal That'll be the all. big thing. I totally agree with that, yes. At least 250 horsepower. Doesn't matter the drive type. Four doors. Auto or dual, under 180 inches in length. That's so funny. Newer used. The budget is twenty-five to $35,000. Okay, great. Love it. Love it. What do we think? When I saw that, Keith, I instantly thought, oh, the new Mazda RF Miata, $38,000 fully loaded. Just <laughs> wait. Oh, no, it's not an SUV. That's not a hatch. It's, it's, Darn it. Yeah, it's, it's two seats and we're done. Yeah, two seats, two doors. You're down, you're down seats and doors on that equation, yeah. So what I did, because you've got the off-road thing... And I think you'll still like this. It's not the okay. sportiest thing ever, but we liked driving it. Go over to Volvo. Okay. Go check out the XC40 because, again, she's going to be driving it the most of the time. Okay. All right. All right. It's 174 inches long, if that helps sell it at all. Just, I'm, I'm still looking up the, oh uh, the length to my other choice I have, here. Honestly, Keith, <laughs> thank you. We talk about the weird places that the internet takes us because of this show. I have never looked up cars so much by total length as I did today for your car debate. <laughs> I can go only listen to millimeters. So this I'm car. All right, car. Learning everything. This car. Oh, wait, that length. Throwing things. At craziness. Very funny. That is... With one other exception, the closest thing I can think of to being the Mercedes GLA AMG 45. It's not nearly as hot as that. It's not as hot. It's not really a hatch. Like I said, it's close, but not really. It's it's very much more in the SUV camp. Mm -hmm. But from a tech perspective, and because you said upmarket, that caught my eye. Because the rest of the hatches you're looking at aren't upmarket. Mm -hmm. This one is. And it starts brand new at $33,000. Now, brand new, it's going to exceed your budget. But how about one year old? How about two years old? Mm -hmm. Brilliant. We loved the interaction. And we love what Volvo does as far as doing the luxury thing at the lower price. The price you didn't expect. And it feels everybody's luxurious as a Mercedes or a BMW. Mm -hmm. It just does. Mm -hmm. So go look at those. Go look at the interface, the UX interface, the way you operate with it, the way it drives. Mm -hmm. It's not a Mercedes AMG. It's not. No, no, no. I'm not claiming it's close to an RS Focus or a Civic Type R. It's not. But you can kind of get after it. Mm -hmm. It's fun to drive in a little bit of a different way, and it looks good. It's modern. It's clean. I Mm. think you could be... I think you could do something like this. Interesting. Okay. The other one is, of course, the Mazda CX-5 Grand Touring Reserve with the turbo, brand new for $38,000. That helps, yeah. It's about the same length. I haven't looked it up quite yet, but I will. Okay. I'll look it up while you're All right. Yeah. So I'm looking at this because (laughs) that turbo 
changes things. Yeah. And because it's a Mazda, the biggest thing I took away was, especially in the CX-9, was Mazda doing the Miata thing in larger vehicles. That sounds sure. trite. That sounds sure. like Captain Obvious. Thank you, Paul. I get it. But it's hard to do for car companies to keep the same fun little driving feel mm-hmm. in larger cars. Mm-hmm. Usually because of the platform differences, right. that goes right out the window. But Mazda has managed to do something here and still make it drive fun. Mm-hmm. It still feels yeah, okay. that little bit of sporty thing that you love about the Miata embedded in the CX-5. There's, there's a, you can see the connection. I, it doesn't drive the same. But it's not the, the same. I'm not making an equal sign between the two. By the way, 179.1 inches. <laughs> you did it. Well done. Just under the mark. <laughs> under the wire. <laughs> There you go. Those are my two. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Keith, hey, man, thanks for writing in on this. I, I like this very much. Thanks for your support on Patreon as well. And also, also, I will go to the side for a second. There is a weird subculture, that, and I mean weird in a great way here. Because of our patrons, we created this Discord chat room. Yes, right. That has a life of its own. That's the part of it I find Thank weird. you for mentioning this. We don't mention it because I. I, I was just amazed at how much people have found friends and interacted that has nothing to do with you and I. What's amazing, there's a whole contingent of people playing driving games yes. off to the side without a our whole, knowledge. There's I mean, a whole we know now, but Forza subgroup. Yeah. They, they are planning meetups that have, don't have anything to do with you and I. That amazing. Just in parts of the, I think it's fantastic. It's super cool. It's really, yeah. really cool. And every time I get on there, I am wowed by the interactions going on there. So I'm thrilled that that's happened. It and attracts that is like-minded people. And that's what I love. That is, that is the cool part about this show yeah. and that Discord chat room. So I'm very glad that happens. Keith, I hope you're a part of that Discord. I've seen you on there a couple times. It's very, very fun. So that's cool. Thanks for being with us on all of that. You can't go wrong here with the GLA AMG 45. No, you, you, can't. Can't. you can't. I really like that car. That is on my kind of should I list that I keep pondering <laughs> for winter cars because as we know, I go through winter cars apparently like people change jackets. I, so, yeah, I guess yeah. you do. So anyway, so, so that jackets is, and backpacks. I do. I, justify I have, any of those. I have an in those categories? applicable number of jackets and backpacks. Jackets and backpacks. It's ridiculous how many jackets <laughs> and backpacks I have. I really got to stop. I mean, I like jackets and backpacks, but watches. You know, I know. That's my that, thing. That, for whatever reason. Anyway, pockets are exciting to me. I don't know why. But uh, so anyway, so the GLA AMG 45. Imagine is, all the things that you could put in that pocket. I, I don't know what. I, I don't even have enough stuff for all the these The mind pockets. is blown yes. with all the things. Have you seen this backpack? Have you seen oh the gosh. stuff I could carry? I could create an entire trip around stuff to carry. And justify it just to carry stuff. You know when I knew I had a problem on jackets? Oh, no. It was when I first saw the advertisement with that crazy jacket with like 1,500 pockets that you can put. A, I was like, so it's that's pockets. super cool. And then I went, no, that's that's a bridge too it's far. It's pockets on the jacket. It's not jackets. It's no, no, no. It's See, storage. I like, I like jackets, and I like well-designed backpacks with lots of really good storage and backpacks. And here was a, here was somebody with an idea that was both. And I was like, that's really – no, that's sorry. That's too far. <laughs> that's when I realized I had a problem. Anyway, so moving on. Back to you, Keith. So the GLA AMG 45, great choice. I tried to think of things that are that scale, that have that kind of, as we've already discussed, upmarket feel. And I came to two. First off, you're a BMW guy. Mm, You're getting rid of your BMW. Yeah. What about the M235i? Delightful. Great. Now, the downside is it's only two doors. This is true. That is the downside. This is true. I really think it does everything you need. Hmm. So that's the debate. Hmm. Now, if the doors are a deal breaker... The other alt I thought of is the Audi S3. It's okay. not the GTI. Okay, okay. It's all-wheel drive. It feels very upscale. It is very, it's, it's well with, it's like 173 inches. It's the scale of what your wife is used to. Mm. It feels upscale. Now, 
you had a seat problem with the GTI seats. I, I have never sat in the GTI and the S3 back-to-back. I can't even quantify that. Plus, seats are very personal. So go see if the S3 seats work. But I think the Audi S3 could get this done. Good news, everybody. The seats are different in the S3. It's true. This is an no, you're exciting right. news. No, you're right. They're not. They're not even the seats that you see in the lesser versions of of the of the three. So <laughs> the lesser versions. Well, that's what's what they are. So that is a debate on both of those. So definitely look at those. But then I have some wild cards. <laughs> but before Todd I, is giving me this Cheshire Cat grin. Before right now. I go too far into wild cards, though, <laughs> Keith, I want to revisit this length requirement for the car. Okay. Because I'm under the wire, baby. I am under I know the wire. You You've done both. very, very well. And so far, I've done well, too. But I'm about to break through it. And okay. here's why. Okay. I think that the issue you're concerned about is your wife being in a car that feels too big to her. And I totally understand that. And I think that's great. So let's keep her in a car that feels small enough to her. But I don't think that bigness feel comes from the dimensions of the car. It's a factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's, it's the biggest factor. I think the biggest thing that comes from it is the way a car rotates and what does it weigh. Certainly, definitely. So if you can solve a weight and rotation issue, then the actual external scale of the car becomes less relevant. Okay. So I I hear you on your (laughs) 180-inch limit, but my question for you is, I don't think that should be a hard and fast line in the sand. I'm going to do two wild cards. One doesn't work because it's only two doors, and that is you could get yourself, it's well within size, a 997 Generation 911. I love that. The 05 to uh, what is it, 2011 911. You could do that. Kids in the back, we've all seen the commercials and heard the stories, and we've even talked about it too much on this podcast. Honey, I didn't get you Louis Vuitton anything, but I did get you a 997 Porsche 911. So there's that. But the, the big car I do want to come to bat for here is that Alpha Julia. Oh, it interesting. It is 182 inches. <laughs> 182 inches. And it has one of the fastest steering racks being sold right now. It does. Yeah. Now that in and of itself is not a fix all. But my point here is that sedan, even in our blue car episode where it was with the G70 and the three series, that sedan doesn't rotate like the other two. It rotates like a sports car. It does. It rotates I totally like agree. a smaller car than it actually is. Yeah. And the one we had in, in we've, we've driven the Quadrifoglio, the Monster. We've driven it in almost every variation. The one we had in Brilliant. Blue Car didn't have the limited slip differential, which helps the rotation even more. If you can find a base Julia with the limited slip differential in your budget, you and your wife need to drive that. I don't think it's going to feel too big. Hmm. And I'm within two inches of the dimensions as I drove myself nuts this afternoon looking up what cars are are lengthwise. (laughs) So I'm really I'm coming to bat for that car because you are curious about that level of sedan, but you think it's just too big. I think that might be the one that blurs the line. Well, Keith, you know what the solve is there. Just take the Julia and roll it eight miles an hour with the front into the nearest concrete wall. And then turn yourself around and roll at eight miles an hour into the back of the car. Fixed it. Fixed. Inch in the front, inch in the back. We're good, right? This is a terrible idea. (laughs) No problem anymore. I see it, yeah. We love anything that enables our automotive obsession, also known as the car disease, which is why we're such big fans of Haggerty Drivers Club. For just $45 a year, that's less than $4 a month, you get not only six issues of their fantastic Haggerty magazine, but you also get roadside service with guaranteed flatbed towing, invites to members-only events, and valuable discounts on things like tires, vehicle transport, racing school, and more. It's the ultimate membership experience for people who love cars. Check it out for yourself and join the Haggerty Drivers Club at haggerty.com slash everydaydriver. Jumping off into social media questions land, 
a couple of cleaning questions. First from Monty Hill on Facebook, asking me if I've used the Griot's Garage rinseless wash and wax on my Cayman. Mm. I have not. I admit to being a bit more of an old school kind of a person when it comes to washing my car. Rinseless is good when there's a, a little amount of dirt involved. Mm-hmm. Usually I kind of wait until about it's weekly during the summer of dirt to collect in the car because then I know <laughs> enough brake dust has justified me getting out the brushes mm-hmm. and the chair to sit and therapeutically scrub the brake dust out of my wheels and calipers. Folks, there is a process and there is, yes, a video coming. <laughs> yes, it exists. So I generally just do speed shine. So I have not, I, I usually just get all the tools out and I go for it and I get it really clean and dried every week, but that's just me. However, I can vouch for any Griot's products. I've used them for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Everything they make is solid and fantastic. They have their own chemists. You've heard us talk about them. Yeah, yeah. It is actually real. And I do encourage you if you're still on the fence going, eh, I don't know if the guys are right. I'm not sure. I'm pushing you over the edge. I encourage you to, to do it. And please let me know how much you like it. That's a good one. Lucas is writing in on Facebook and saying that we've driven the new Miata. Do we think the brakes are good enough for spirited canyon runs? Mm. Do, do we think it's necessary or you really should upgrade the brakes to something bigger or more aggressive? Or is the fa- factory setup okay? Lucas, there's a weird, and I'm not, look, there's minutia on this available online. And there's lots of videos available on it as well. Generally, Big brake kits on a car are not worth the money. Great. Mm, if, and I, I don't think you're going to take the new Miata and outrun its brakes. I don't think you are. But if you discover problems, the better, cheaper, simpler solve is more aggressive pads that can take more heat and a higher temperature brake fluid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I'm tempted to say I'd put down money on if you did those two upgrades, you'd never outrun those brakes. Mm. buying a big brake kit. Don't do that. Don't do that. Not necessary. I'd be surprised if you outrun them. And if you do fluid and pads, and I bet you, you'd be brilliant. Lucas, I was going to add to that and say on a track situation, there's consistent corners where you're all the brakes. You're, you're fully using them. everything. Killing them. And it's usually after a high speed run on a straightaway. Mm-hmm. So therefore, yeah, in that situation, you'd need a, a brake upgrade. But in a canyon maybe. driving situation, <laughs> maybe, but in a canyon driving situation, you're flowing. Mm-hmm. There's never That's a, a great long point. straight a great and the end is a 90 or 110 degree corner where you've got to bleed all the speed off mm-hmm. to, and you're coming in hot. Not the case in a canyon, True. which is also the same on the Nurburgring. Mm-hmm. There's only two, mm-hmm. maybe three corners I can think of where you're actually really hard in the brakes. True. The rest of the time, True. you're neutral or just brushing the brake as you turn in mm-hmm. to settle which the car, like canyon, get the weight right. on yeah. the front wheels, and you turn in. Yeah. So that is even, you know, you see these cars being beat on the on the ring. Mm-hmm. I think normal canyons and, you know, regular track driving is far harder on a car. Yeah. I, I actually agree with you, and I also think the big thing is that I think most drivers in most cars will be okay with their brakes just mm-hmm. doing a pad and fluid upgrade. Mm-hmm. There are certainly heavier cars, but the Miata is not a heavy Especially car in either. a canyon. You're just brushing, yeah. turn in. Yeah, I see that. Totally. All right. The other cleaning question from was from Ed Hayes. How do I get the cars so clean for the photos <laughs> when we're out on a shoot? Well, when we're on a shoot, I do use Griot's Grad products. I take them with me on the shoot. So before we, you know, actually do beauty shots, 
they do get a thorough cleaning. But when it comes to Instagram photos, I do admit to driving through the spray-only wash over here at the local Chevron. Of course you do, yeah. I've taken my own cars through there because it's only the spray, <laughs> and it's more of an in-a-pinch kind of a thing mm-hmm. Yeah. rather than you know doing it all myself. But there's still washing and cleaning that needs to be done after the spray. It doesn't get quite all the dirt off. You still yeah. have to scrub in some areas. But that's what I do with the press cars just before the Instagram shots. But I do admit on the recent one, it was so spotted that I don't want to drive all the way over there just to get the water spots off. So I positioned the car in such a way where you couldn't really see it in the sunlight. <laughs> we, and it looks clean. We've also learned on shoots, we've learned never, never go, I'll just fix that real quick. Let me wipe it off. Yeah. Because yeah. you're doing the whole car. So we will, we have finally trained ourselves that when we start on a shoot day, we will take the time because it's always a time suck. We'll take the time to take the cars through a car wash on location and then immediately go out and shoot beauty. Yes. Because if we don't do it in that order, one or all of us, it leads with Paul and the rest of us help. One or all of us are cursing the day later because mm-hmm. we just wipe that. Oh, now I got to do the whole car. Because if I touch the next yes, panel over, then, I know. Well, now you can see my rag yes. wipe section on that part. I have to do the rest of the car. Uh, Matt on Instagram said, would we ever swap colors we wear on a video just for fun? Uh, you know what, Matt? We've we've thought about this further. We've thought about doing the April Fool style video where it's both shirt swaps and wig swaps. Mm-hmm. So we could just see if people are paying attention. Uh, any, any day we release a video, we get comments that suggest the person thinks this is a single host show. Yeah, I've seen that too. I was just going to bring that up. Every time. You think... Um... We're, we're wearing different colors. We look completely we different. We look completely different, and we say different things. And, and our voices are different. Yeah. How, how little were you paying attention that you came away oh, from? Uh, the, what, the ones I love are the comment that the guy in this video, and I'm always like, I'm on the edge of my seat, which guy? <laughs> which, which guy? <laughs> exactly. The like, guy in this video did that. It's like, which, which guy? Was it the guy in the street corner in the background? Like, who was it? <laughs> Jeffrey Yu writes to us about suggestions on building knowledge on automotive and car design. Mm. He's 27, wonders where he should start. Of course, going to school is the proper way to do it. But what if he just wants to further increase his knowledge and this disease? Are there any online courses or material you would recommend? Mm. There are a few actually floating around. I do know of one. Uh, it's actually a car design course, um, former Honda designer and GM designer. The thing I would recommend to start with, though, is the book called H-Point. And it's available on Amazon. And what you can do is go to the everydaydriver.com website, click on the store, scroll down, and it's an orange cover book that says H-Point. It's right there. And that is the fundamentals about packaging. Mm -hmm. Before you can get into anything related to styling, you have to package all the elements first. Mm -hmm. And the package refers to the engine, the people, the luggage, the wheels, the safety crumple zones. Mm -hmm. The A pillar, which is usually the HVAC system and is the crash-tested, most expensive part of the car to make yeah. because that is the thing that has to be destroyed repeatedly in order to gain a, an HTSA rating. While people survive, yes. While people survive, ideally. But that is the packaging basics before you can get into the styling. So I want you to understand that first before you get into the later on the sketching. And you know this is where designers start. If the package doesn't change, designers are saying, all right, I get a refresh. I get to redesign the headlights maybe the intakes, the rear clip, and that's about it. Because it's expensive to change the tooling on that sheet metal. So the doors stay the same, the roof stays the same, the windshield's the same, all the way down to the base of the windshield, the intake right there. So 
unless you do a clean sheet design with a brand new package like the new C8 Corvette Stingray, mm-hmm. you're not just starting from scratch. There's always some platform. So when we talk about a car is built on a particular platform, you can stretch the wheelbase. You can even increase the width of the track a little bit. But generally speaking, that platform is just the place where the elements of the car are going to be bolted or glued onto Mm, it. mm. So we're using the same platform. It's a little bit longer wheelbase here, but that, you know, that still gives me an envelope in which to work. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you to understand that first, that book is a great starting place. And then uh, write to me and I can give you some more suggestions. (laughs) Reiner writes in with a question that I love, but it is such a rabbit hole. (laughs) I says, how do two people share ownership of a car? Mm. He has roughly 20 grand to spend on a fun car. So does his friend. Should they just combine forces and buy a $40,000 car for them to share? And then how on earth would they go about that? Reiner, first question for you. This is like a marriage quality discussion here. <laughs> how well do you and your friend get along? Mm. Okay. Mm. I'll, I'll go one further. Paul and I, I I take fairly good care of my cars, mm-hmm. but I don't care near, take nearly the care of my cars that Paul does. Okay. Fair, so if fair. you and your friend take care of cars differently, ah, when yeah. the one that takes really good care of the car hands it off to the other one or vice versa, how much anger is involved about the car not being properly treated? Is that an issue? It may not be. Yeah. It may not be, but it could be an issue. And yeah. then how much are you guys going to want to fight over that car? Now, what you're going to need, honestly, is a, like a schedule spreadsheet. And and you plan yeah. out in advance. This weekend, I have a special event. I want to have the car. That can, that can be surmounted. But you're going to have to deal with the personality of it. Is that okay? I'm going to give you an alternate idea. Hmm. Do both of you have a roughly $20,000 car? You both like different cars. You each buy a car and you swap those regularly. Oh, that's interesting. Find two $20,000 cars that interest you and keep swapping those. This reminds me of, and now this is a totally different level, totally different level, but this reminds me of a doctor consortium we know in the Salt Lake area. Oh, yes. yes. Four or five doctors, all orthopedic guys, all went to med school together. And they decided in med school, before they were making good money, they were going to do this. And they kind of acknowledged with their wives. Sorry, they knew they'd happened. make good money they later knew, in life. They knew. They knew yeah. for sure. Yeah. So they established an LLC or some sort of corporation. I'm not going to claim I know how it was done. But they established an LLC that became a buying entity as if it were a dealer. So they saved taxes and extra fees. <laughs> and yeah. that entity bought them a dozen or more really nice cars. Yeah. It's like four doctors. So they literally have a schedule, and they all pay into this corporation as if it were a leasing. Mm-hmm. If they were just paying a lease fee, and they're constantly swapping cars. There is a schedule. There is a spreadsheet. There's a person that keeps the cars clean. It's it's a thing. Now, granted, we're talking high-end cars, and there's like a dozen of them, and they have a warehouse. I realize it's not you, Reiner, but I'm saying that is the dream, though, isn't it? Yeah, no kidding. I would recommend that focusing on your friendship and not letting anything come between mm-hmm you and your friend, because that is the most important thing, right? It shouldn't be material objects that break a friendship, right? I don't want that to happen. So have a piece of paper, an agreement, whatever, something you can point to, and then go from there. By the way, the reason we know this about this doctor consortium is the 2011 GT3 RS 4.0 that is at the end of the Mm -hmm. 911, 50 years of the 911 film, came out of that consortium. We were allowed to drive that car for a few hours if we agreed to not take it to Mexico and leave the shiny side up. And ideally return it, which we did all of the above, which worked out well. All right. So it's Jack Bauer, LOL. (laughs) 
<laughs> on this. Twitter yep. says, what are our thoughts on Porsche making the Cayman and Boxster line fully electric? And would you can still still consider that Cayman as a must drive and buy car? Mm. I'm open to it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I can't see them ever not putting an internal combustion engine in that car because it's just so easy to drop whatever the in uh, the uh, flat four or flat six in that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm open to it to be honest because the platform is so great and the packaging is already there mm-hmm. that space could be used for the inverter assembly and a fairly good size battery pack. Yeah, could. Even yeah. if you encroach onto the front trunk assembly a little bit where the gas tank is, mm-hmm. you'll still have as just as much luggage space as you do I now. Agree. They could do it really well with that. That's the inverter right. assembly and then the battery pack you pile it up in a I don't know, shape of bricks or however that battery pack is assembled in that space where the engine goes. And you've got the electric motor back there. The electric motors, I don't know if you know, but they're not very big. They're not that big. You're right. It's the battery pack that is the weight. And if you put it in the same place where the internal combustion engine is currently, Mm -hmm. you leave the goodness of that car alone. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you could probably improve it. Possibly. Depending on your weight distribution. But just think of that. Now you've got multiple elements that you can play more with the weight distribution of an already brilliant platform. Mm-hmm. I'm open to it. I, I, I'm going to say something that for some journalists is controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. The brilliance of the Boxster and Cayman is not about the engine. It's just not. I, mean, I agree I, I to that. There's a bunch of discussion about the minute that they went to the Turbo it's 4. And all. Yeah. The minute they went to the Turbo 4, they ruined it. No, they didn't. Yeah. Lots of other things like this. The brilliance of that car, the fun of that car isn't – the engine. You take a car like the Mustang GT350, and mm-hmm. it's the engine that makes that car fun. I mean, it's a good chassis, but it's the engine that makes it fun. It's not the engine making the Boxster and Cayman fun. So if you make an electric version and it's every bit as brilliant, let's get an electric version. I don't care. Yeah, agreed. If you've got more cars than garage space, and we suspect you do, then you need to protect them with a custom car cover from Covercraft. We recommend the NOAA custom car cover. They're each made to fit your car perfectly, and they resist moisture, but they also breathe to eliminate condensation. They've got a four-layer protection for all weather conditions, and they protect your car from UV rays, too. The NOAA covers even have a soft inner layer. They're made in the USA, and they come with a four-year warranty. In the worst winds we've seen, the NOAA cover stays put. I had one on the Lancer, and it kept the paint pristine in all conditions. Paul wore one out over nine years of daily use with his Audi Avant, and people always asked how he kept it so nice. Plus, with Covercraft, you can defend your interior against kids, dogs, spills, and any weekend adventure in mud and snow with custom seat covers from Covercraft. Have the nicest car all winter long with help from our friends at Covercraft. You can get 10% off your custom car cover and any other Covercraft product by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com to keep your car looking its best. Wheelman GT has what I would describe as a super quick car debate. He says, what two cars would we cross shop with the BMW M3 M4? Mm. So big, okay. fast, mean sedans. I have two for you. And I don't. you haven't mentioned your budget. I'm assuming it's obviously new M3 M4 money. So the better part of six figures. Okay? I've got two. Mm. Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio must be on that cross shop list, and so should the Porsche Panamera. Okay, I'm leaving that right there. Hassanam on Instagram asks if you can improve the steering feel of a car by going with a smaller steering wheel. My first answer is no, because the steering feel that we're going after is not the effort that you put in into turning the wheel. And the reason for larger or smaller steering wheels directly correlates to 
the power steering level. Mm. Of course, the comfort, the size, and that is, you know, from an ergonomic standpoint, very much evaluated by the interior design team. Mm. Okay. But look back at the original, uh, 356 or early 911s. Yeah, yeah. The steering wheel is very large because there's no power assist. So it was very large. It's essentially a lever yeah. to give you better totally. turning totally. input yeah. to help you turn the car. Now, when you're, when you're going along at speed, it lightens up like crazy. Now you've got this huge steering wheel. <laughs> Same yeah. thing with Corvettes. A mm-hmm. lot of those early cars. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it very much correlates yeah. to the level of power steering assist in a car. The Lotus Elise is a grand exception. The wheel is yes. pretty small, but the it's car's small, pretty but light, and it's unlike just about every other car. Yeah, it's direct. Same thing with Caterhams and Lotus yeah. 7s and all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, a car that's not engineered for that smaller steering wheel, all you're feeling now is more effort. Mm-hmm. You're not feeling a better steering feel because of the suspension geometry or the weight placement or center of gravity in the car or the suspension or the uh, steering feel, the, mm-hmm. the rack ratio yeah. itself, yeah. you're feeling none of that. All you're feeling is just more effort because now the steering wheel is a smaller lever, essentially. Yeah, the information isn't going to change in that regard. I mean, I, I keep in mind the fact that, like that E-Type that I love, mm, okay? yeah. it always struck me before I ever drove one, at, long before I was driving, it always struck me as very weird that the steering wheel was so big and so thin. You mm-hmm. know, and the, you could get the, the wood-trimmed wheels and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But when you drive those, those 911s, those other cars in the 60s, the E-Type's an example, not only does that, you're right, does that give you interesting extra leverage, but that really thin wheel transmits a lot of information. It does. Because it's so delicate. It, it does. Transfer, it, it, it like buzzes with what's going on at the tires. The faster you go. Yeah. so narrow. It's very interesting how that changes. I agree with you, though, Paul. Peter and Slow asks if either of us have put aftermarket sway bars mm. on our cars. If so, how did it work out? Any sage words of wisdom? He just got some for his stinger and about to put them on. I saw this. Peter, my question, first of all, is what are you trying to accomplish? Great question. First of all, what are we going after? What is the intended purpose? Is it just... I've got some extra money. I want some parts and I think I'll go with that. I can afford them. Mm-hmm. Or have you thought it through and I'm saying, all right, I'm doing some Canyon carving with this car. I don't love the amount of body roll mm-hmm. and I'm going with different or thicker. Sometimes cars actually have not quite as thick sway bars, depending on the suspension setup itself. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, yeah. they're not quite as thick as you think they are. If it's just to really control the body roll, what are you doing with the cars? My question is mm-hmm. autocross is it track driving. What, what is that? My question also is, have you first tried different wheels and tires? Thank you. Yes, agree. Have you started there, then gone to parts? Because now what you're doing is getting into the tuning and suspension geometry mm-hmm. of the car mm-hmm. yep. that the engineers for various trim levels, whether you start at base, middle, S, GTS, mm-hmm. GT4, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for they sure. They set it for up sure. for yeah, different yeah. purposes, for a different feel. So. I guess think back. What are you trying to accomplish with the car? Is it simply body roll? Okay, sure. It, it will yeah, control yeah. body roll. Will it give you something else that you didn't like? Will it, That's the problem. Will it have some sort of side effect mm-hmm. like a drug You know that you he's, didn't see coming? He's into R&D now. This is my big concern. You know, for do you have searing eye pain? Do your thighs hurt? Does it burn when you pee? Yes, you know, exactly. What is the side effect that you're now experiencing? The 60-second drug commercial <laughs> that has 15 seconds of actual information Isn't because the awful? remaining 45 is all of the ways it could kill you. <laughs> yeah. And they are, sorry, ranting now, because I've cut these commercials, and I was always like, really? But And and they stop me in my tracks when I hear them anyway. But the other thing that's funny is they are legally required to list all side effects that were encountered. And so you'll (laughs) invariably hear ones that are like, well, that person just is tired, (laughs) you know, or that person just hasn't worked out in years, and now they hurt their back, and they think it's the drug. They have to list 
everything oh, that comes back. But they speed it up. They speed all that stuff up so they can get through that large chunk of... They just find of... people like you and I that speak really fast, <laughs> and they do 15 seconds worth of really nice voiceover. And then the guy talks really fast and tells the other thing, it's going to kill you, and please don't take this drug. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. Back to the garden with the guitar. Oh, and my gosh. The, isn't your life better now that you're taking this drug? Peter... Sorry, one last rant. There, there, there was a drug, I remember at one point, I don't remember even what it was, but there was a drug at one point I actually saw in the same like calendar quarter for the year. I saw three different commercials for this exact same drug name for different things. You mean to solve different yes. problems? They were completely different commercials for a, do you have this? And it was the same drug name for a totally different thing. I saw three different commercials in the same quarter, and I was like, what is going on at that company? <laughs> anyway. Back pain, Peter. sleeplessness. <laughs> Did your knee hurt? Seriously. Back to sway bars. Wrenching <laughs> us back to sway bars. I, I do think, number one, even if it's not wheels, you have got to get a high-performance tire on that car and see what the difference is. Yeah. yeah. Now, you've already bought sway bars, so the ship has kind of sailed. But the second thing I want to say to you is, be careful with the sway bars. Be careful with balance. Sway bars are accomplishing balance with your car. Now, tires are doing this big time. I still think that's first. But if you do sway bars wrong, you can increase either understeer or oversteer. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you can flatten out the car, but you can increase one of those two if you don't get the balance right. Most of them have got settings for least aggressive to most aggressive for yes, the aftermarket ones. True. I would also walk your way there. I would not just Ease put them it. on, put them on at the highest setting on yeah. front and rear, and here we go. And no, I would walk your way there. And I would also, if you want to get really geeky about it, I would put them on and only change one at a time. Mm, yeah, put yeah. them on at the least aggressive setting. Go out and see what that's like, and then start changing only one of them, and have a test route. I mean, you're talking about R and D now, man. You're talking about you are tuning your own car suspension, and it's just you. Mm-hmm. There's no budget. There's no team of people. There's no computer guys behind the scenes. I know you're buying something from a reputable place, but still, this is a challenge. Go slow. I thought for a while now that the clinical name for all those drugs could be your password. And if you forget, you just use the street name and, you know, whatever that is, the simple, simplified name of that drug. But then <laughs> like, oh, yeah, now what is my password to log in? Avizulinumab star 43, Paul. Exactly. That's right. That's when that password's there super it is. secure. You'd never forget it. Nobody's going to guess that. Buy a bottle of that drug, whatever. Anyway. Here the side effects are you got into your email. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Guys, thank you so much for your questions, your Topic Tuesdays, all of your car conclusions, and, of course, your debates. Really appreciate your social media questions too. It's great. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.